right. So DQ has his new laptop. That was definitely still in the box until about, you know, 4.45 today. Yeah, I had to text him and be like, did you download Audacity? Did you check your mic and he, and make sure that, like, all of that works on your new laptop? And he was just like, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> no. It was like, yeah, no. I even like. I did not. Yeah, no. Like, I, like, I literally, it came in the mail. I opened the box, checked to make sure it was in there, see what, saw what it looked like. Then I proceed to close box and then put it somewhere else. I was like, <laughs> "You're so funny." I was like, "It's like I'm so impatient." I'd have opened it up right then and there. Yeah, I mean, like, and then like, and then I got my phone and I finally opened that up and then like I looked, made sure it was there. I was like, "I ain't got a case yet," so I closed that back up. I was like, "Guys, if I drop this, it's uh, I'm gonna be upset." Do you want another banana? Did you give her a banana? Yeah. The only human food that she gets is fruits and veggies. I have, like, a whole list of, like, fruits and veggies that dogs can have and ones that they can't have. Like, they can't have grapes. They can't have avocados. They can have strawberries, but it, they can't have any of the seeds in them. And if you give them watermelon, it, it cannot have any seeds because it could cause, like, a blockage and stuff. So, like, I have a whole chart of, like, fruits and veggies that she can have and that she that she can't have. Um they can have mangoes, but I don't like mangoes, so I don't buy mangoes. Um, <laughs> cucumbers are actually really good for dogs' teeth and their breath. Um, and so are carrots. You can freeze carrots and give it to them as like a like a chew treat. Um, so she gets frozen carrots sometimes. Um, but um, for the most part, like I just chop them up and give them to her so she has like a little snack at night because i usually like eat fruit and veggies like as my dinner this is true when i'm not yeah when i'm not like shoving a whole frozen pizza in my mouth because i'm lazy because that takes like 10 minutes to cook whereas like fruits and veggies i have to like chop up and like wash and like mix with other things (laughs) except for tonight i'm just eating watermelon and a banana who made you like this so i don't know it's like, I'm just sitting there, it's like, yeah, me, I'm just like, man, you know what sounded good? And I'm just like, something I wasn't going to eat anyway, but I'm like, that sounds good. Oh, watermelon? Yeah. I thought about it when I brought it in here, and I was like, We're, because he got a new laptop, I was like, yes, we can use the cameras now, and we can, like, test it before we start doing video episodes. And I was like, man, he's totally going to see me eating watermelon. <laughs> he was talking about how he wanted some, and I was like... Oh, well, I'm hungry. You know, if this is the only thing I eat tonight, he'll get over it. God, you see this? Um, I get bullied. Well, because I needed to take a shower, but I'm really tired, so I decided to take a bath. And so I was like, if I take a bath, I have to do it before we record because recording can take a while, so I'm going to be too tired to do it after. So, like, I didn't have time to eat dinner because I was in the bath. But then I get in the bath, and somebody goes in the bathroom and poops. I, like, get in the bath, finally in the bath, because we had a kitty accident. I say accident. One of the cats threw up on Thea's uh, comforter, like her duvet. And, well, it's the duvet insert, because we took the cover off because the cat had thrown up on it, and so we washed it. But then the cat threw up on the duvet insert, Um, And it's, one of the cats has, like, stomach issues, so, like, that's totally normal. But, like, I mean, it was a lot. And so I used my uh, upholstery cleaner machine to get that out. 
And so by the time I got into the bath, like my water was cold. <laughs> so I like drained some water out and then put warm water back in it. And then I was on my phone the entire time I was in the bath, um, except for like the last 10 minutes, finishing up notes because I did so much research on this topic today. And this is the topic that we had to skip last episode because it came out on Haunted Road. Now, I'm glad I listened to the Haunted Road episode because there were things in it that I didn't know about. And that prompted me to do... And I mean, it's because she was talking to one of the people that works there. And so, like, he was giving, like, firsthand information, mm-hmm. you know, about things. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm, I want to include it just ca- kind of, like, as a little excerpt. Um, just include some of his little stories. Um, but, I mean, there's so much history at this place. And they're constantly, like, uncovering new facts and stuff. So that's why I spent forever doing research on it. But then, since we skipped it last week... Uh, it prompted me to do a little bit more research and listen to a couple of other podcasts just to kind of see if like, because I kept running into conflicting information, which happens a lot, but I mean, it happened more than usual with this topic. Mm. And so today I was listening to a podcast when I was at work and I kept hearing things that I had never heard about. So I like wrote them down and then like, would Google something if I didn't think it was true or just to fact check it before I wrote it down. And that's when my boss came and was like, if that's not work, you can't be doing it. And I'm like, so I can't Google something for like five seconds and then like exit out of it. Like, it's not like I'm sitting here reading for an hour, like calm down, but whatever. Um, so I had all these notes that I was trying to like type into my notes that were handwritten into the document on my phone while I was in the bath, but I didn't finish because somebody used the bathroom in the correct room, but it was kind of rude timing. Hmm. So, yeah. But because it's late, I think we should go ahead and just try to jump right in, even though I already gave this whole intro. I know. It's okay. Okay, usually we banter, but it's already 10.30 on, like, a school night, so. It's okay. Get, like, let's say, tomorrow's with the exact... I mean, tech... Huh? Huh? I said tomorrow's with the... Oh, tomorrow would be the same The exact day. same way. I'm going to wake up, go with the dogs out, go to workouts, more basketball, leave, and then drive for a while. It's fine. I just, I've been very tired and I know you have to get up early to go with dogs out. So I figured we'd skip most of the banter. We're good with it. Because technically, while I was finishing typing my notes, you were telling me about things you would have normally talked about on the podcast. But I told you to pause your recording because I was still typing. It's true. So my bad. Quit pushing that away. It's okay. I got my, I got my part off. So it's okay. Yeah, it's just, it wasn't recorded, so I feel a little bad. Stay okay. He's sore from basketball, guys. That's essentially what he told me. It's like, it's like, I talk about the same thing. It's like, it's the fact we hadn't played in so long. Like, last summer, when we played basically every other day, after, like, the first week, I was fine. And I was like, and then it was just like, oh, look, we hadn't played in a while. Yeah, let's run, like, let's run, like, three games on Monday. And, like, two games on Tuesday, and then let's run three more games today. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I was like, golly. And I talk about something, like, when we're playing, 
don't feel a thing. When we're done, I'm like, huh. Everything's kind of sort of moved. Yeah, and then there's me, who takes her dog for a walk for 20 minutes and then comes back in and literally her legs are jello. Which makes no sense because I stand a lot at work at my desk. I have a standing desk and then I walk around at work. I have to walk like a half mile from my car to my desk every morning that I go to work. So it's not like all I do is sit, but it just, um, it like it confuses me and it weirds me out at the fact that like my legs feel sore all the time, but I don't do anything new. It's the same stuff. So that's just my entire life. Oh, and then, so I told my rheumatologist about it on Monday and you know what he told me then? What? He told me that it's because I'm not getting enough sleep. And this is before he said that other thing that I told you yeah. about. And I was just like, sir, what is your problem today? Like, this is the one doctor I've never had any issues with. He's never said anything to me that was, like, weird or inappropriate or judgmental. And Monday, he was just kind of, like, not there and was trying to, like, rush me out. And I'm over here, like, listen, I feel like I lift weights. Like, I, like every day is leg day for me and I don't like it. Like, should I up my magnesium? Like, should I do something else? But, like, I'm not anemic anymore, so it's not that. And he was just like, yeah, you need to start taking melatonin and get more sleep. That will help with your leg pain. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I don't think it will. But whatever. Stop barking. Well, I mean, I it's mean, just I a mean, cat. Let's be honest here. Jordan definitely sleeps less than I do, which is even funnier because I will go to bed later and still get more sleep. Oh, yeah. It's because you get to sleep later in the morning, whereas, mm-hmm. like, I don't. It was even the time when I've stayed there, and it's like, oh, I definitely, we definitely went to bed around the same time. Also, I look up, it's 530, like, who is moving in the house? And it's just like, oh, it's Jordan. And I'm like, all right. And I just, like, curl over and go back to sleep on the air mat. Surprised you didn't tell everybody about Yuna's little adventure that she found. God, dog and Coach Webb called me. <laughs> oh, you mean when she chewed the thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so quick story before we jump into our topic today. So, speaking of me taking my dog on walks, I took her for a walk, I think it was last week, and there's, like, a playground across the sh- across the street, or, like, the, the road that goes to other buildings in my apartment complex, and there's a park, like, a playground and, like, a volleyball pit, And then there's a pool behind the leasing office because I'm, like, right at the front. And so there's the leasing office and then two pools and then the volleyball pit and then, like, a park in the middle and then the playground. And that's, like, one of her favorite places to go in the evenings. She loves to play in the sand at the sand pit. Um, And I was trying to kill some time and it was not unbearably hot outside for once so we i take her over there and we're running around and i'm trying to get her to come back and she like keeps nibbling at something in the grass and usually she just like chews on grass and so i was like no stop come on well then she finally starts to come and follow me and i look back and she has something in her mouth and i'm like what do you have in your mouth what have i told you about picking up trash so i reach down and i get it out of her mouth and i kid you not It is a used condom. (laughs) So I scream. 
and I throw it down and I like look away and I'm like, oh my God, okay, maybe it's a balloon. Get your mouth out of that. She's got like her whole mouth in my bowl of watermelon. Um, I'm like, okay, maybe it's like a balloon. And I look over again. It was not a balloon. <laughs> it definitely was a condom and it was not in a package. So I can only assume that it is used and it's by the pool. And it's by where a bunch of teens like to park their cars <laughs> when they go to the pool. So I br- promptly brought Yuna back inside. I put her in her kennel. And I went and washed my hands with Dawn dishwashing soap and, dis- uh, what is it, antibacterial hand soap. Mm-hmm. And then I came and got Yuna out of her kennel and we brushed her teeth. And then she was very mad at me for like a good hour. I just, I, out of all of the things that you could have picked up, because there was like a chip bag on the ground and like a straw, like she could have picked up any one of those things, but no, she had to pick up the condom. I just appreciate like I was, I don't even know what I was doing, but I get a message just like, what'd you even say? I just remember I said your daughter is grounded. Yeah, I was like your daughter, like your daughter is grounded, and I was like, oh, so when she's in trouble, it's my daughter, but if she does something else. It was like, it's like, it's just Yuna. And she's like, her accomplishments are her own. And I was like, so when she's in trouble, she's mine. But when she accomplishes something, I have nothing to do with it. Exactly. Because that's how it goes. You can ask any parent that has children. That is, that is definitely. Because, yeah. Um, so yeah, I texted him and I was like, uh, she's grounded and she did not go on a walk for like two days, mostly because I was traumatized, not because she actually did anything wrong because she doesn't know the difference, but I was just like, that is very gross. And so I waited until after the grounds people came and like mowed and like cleaned up and stuff before I took her back over there. Cause of course, like I had to take her outside to like go potty and stuff, but we didn't go on a walk like over there. We just kind of like have been walking around our apartment building in circles mm-hmm. Uh, for two days after that until they like cleaned everything up and then I finally had the guts to take her back over there but now like if it's dark I use my phone flashlight to check the ground before I let her anywhere <laughs> over there because like there is a bunch of kids that always hang out over there so and like I don't take her around where they sit and they smoke weed so that she's not picking up like any butts or anything like that Um, just because like I'm definitely not touching that Uh, but now I'm like nah dang I now I have to check the grass like all around the volleyball pit and the parking lot and stuff in case she picks up something else gross yep my goodness yeah okay so that's 20 minutes of banter that we said we weren't gonna do 10 minutes in okay so if you guys haven't figured it out yet we are talking about Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Anyway. It's so weird not saying Philly. Like, I always, like, get tripped up. Because to me, like, Philadelphia is its, like, own state in my brain, which I know is incorrect. Mm -hmm. And, like, if I were to, like, point it out on a map, I would say, oh, that's Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia. But, like, when people talk about Philadelphia, they, like, talk about it as if it's own state, which it was our nation's capital for a while. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, okay, so Fort Mifflin 
It was built in 1771 by the British on Mud Island below Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with the intent to strengthen the colony's control over the Delaware River. Um, so basically it was meant to, like, control traffic and keep people from, you know, sailing into Philadelphia uh, without their consent or that didn't have proper paperwork or whatever. Uh, construction on the fort stopped in 1773 after the South Wall was built um, and was abandoned by the British during, well, basically at the start of the Revolutionary War. And in 1776, when the colonies rebelled against England, sorry, I keep like burping, it's so gross. Um... <laughs> In 1776, when the colonies rebelled against England, the Americans continued construction on the fort to prevent the British from sailing ships, sh sailing ships into Philadelphia. Sailing ships. Uh, which, yeah, sailing ships into Philadelphia, which was the captain's, was the nation's capital at the time. Good grief, I cannot talk. Um, so this is the fort that is known as the fort that saved America or saved the United States, something like that. Um, something along those lines. Um, it, cause it's the fort that held the British back in 1777 long enough for George Washington and his men, um, to cross the Delaware, Delaware river and get to their winter quarters in Valley Forge, uh, so that they could regroup. Uh, and the British couldn't follow them due to the winter weather conditions. So it basically prolonged the Revolutionary War, which gave um, the Americans or the colonists time to regroup and plan and rebuild their army so that they could defeat the British. Uh, many scholars say that without the efforts of uh, Fort Mifflin during that siege, which I heard a lot of podcasts say that this siege was five weeks but the Wikipedia said five days, oh. like it started on the 10th of November and then it was abandoned on the 5th of November. So 15th, that was the 10th to the, oh, the 15th. Yeah. The 15th of November. He said the 5th and I was like, we're going I back know. to time here. I'm looking, I was still looking at the five day, the, the number five for the five days. Um, but that was not one of the facts that I kind of like got hung up on. Cause I was like. Well, yes, like, it's either five weeks or five days. I think the, like, battle was five weeks long, but the actual, like, bombardment of the fort was for five days. Um, I have said it before, I really hate American history, so I don't really care. What we know is that because of the efforts of, of Fort Mifflin during that siege, whether it was five weeks or five days, the Americans would not have won the war. And so after holding the fort for five long days while the British bombarded the fort with over 10,000 cannonballs, destroying three-fourths of the garrison, um, 150 lives were lost. And after that, so basically after the five days, like, the fort was destroyed, they lost over 150 men, the Continental Army was forced to abandon the fort in November of 1777. So that would be November 15th of 1777. And then after that, the fort was left in ruins until 1793, when Pierre-Charles Lafont, 
who was the planner of D.C., Washington, D.C. I don't know if I'm saying his last name. It's spelled L apostrophe E-N-F-A-N-T. So, Le Infant. I don't speak French. I know French words, but I don't know how to pronounce French names. So, we're going to call him Pierre. So, Pierre, who was the planner of Washington, D.C., he began reconstruction of the fort. Uh, Pierre was replaced in 1975 by Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Rochenfontaine. There <laughs> you go with these names. I know, I knew you were going to say it, and I typed this name out, and I was like, I'm going to pause and wait for him to say something about these names. Um, it's like you have a whole I, minute. It's like every time I look up, it's like, some, 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 some. And I'm like, Rush. this is a fake name. Don't lie. Yeah. It's not. It's either Rush Fontaine, Rasha Fontaine, or Rach Fontaine. Because it's like that C-H. And I assume he's French, but I don't know. Um, but anyways, so Pierre was replaced by the lieutenant colonel because Pierre was too expensive and too difficult to work with. Uh, $100,000 in 1793 was spent on the refortification of this fort. So the rebuilding and the fortification of this fort. I did not do the math on how much that would be today because I didn't want to know. Um, but at the time, that was the most the Department of War had ever spent on anything. Not just building a fort. Because it only spent $30,000 on the fort in Charleston, which was the second largest expenditure of that time period. So, like, you had Fort Mifflin and then the fort in Charleston. Those were the two most expensive buildings or things that the Department of War ever spent money on. Um, Alexander, Alexander Hamilton thought the fort to be the most strategic military base, and he wanted it heavily fortified before Thomas Jefferson was elected president in 1800. So I think that's why they were okay in spending that much money, because Alexander Hamilton was like, no, 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 like, this is going to be perfect. This is the best place we've got, because Philadelphia was the nation's capital, so he was like, no, 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 this is perfect, and this needs to be where we spend our money. But the capital had been moved to D.C. in 1799. So literally the year before Thomas Jefferson was elected, the capital was moved. So officials no longer saw the fort as important. And therefore, the fort was uh, basically abandoned. I mean, it was still like built and all pretty, but basically they just wasted all that money because it wasn't used for any military activity after that. Gotcha. As a precaution, during the War of 1812, the fort was remanned, but it didn't see any action. And after that war ended, it was abandoned again. Um, the fort was repaired again between 1835 and 1839, only to be used as naval storage in 1853. And then during the Civil War, Fort Mifflin was used as a prison uh, that contained both Confederate soldiers civilians so confederate soldiers from the battle of gettysburg union union draft dodgers so people who were basically avoiding the draft um union military criminals people who deserted or you know were convicted of crimes and were court-martialed um and also civilians 
So basically during the Civil War, the fort was not used as like a military base. It was basically a prison. Um, one of the more famous military criminals uh, kept there was Private William Howe. Howe was accused of killing a superior officer while trying to desert the Un- Union Army and was executed by hanging for his crimes on August 26th of 1864. Though Lincoln was against the death penalty, he wanted the people to know that he would not tolerate cowards within the Union Army. Howe was taken to the gallows with a black sack over his head, and the fort even sold tickets for outsiders to witness his execution. Mm. Though many people who attended said that they only attended the execution in support of Howe, as the death of the officer was an accident. Howe had become ill with dysentery, and the medical tent for his unit had been burned down during a battle, so he and a group of other soldiers uh, left the unit to seek medical treatment. And after he saw a doctor, Howe returned home to recover, but was stuck in bed for nearly two months, so he was unable to return to his unit. Um, according to historical accounts, Howe's enrolling officer showed up drunk with three other men to fetch him, and Howe was like, who are these rowdy people outside my house? So he grabs his gun, and he fired two shots out of his window just to scare them off, but both shots had struck the officer. So Howe was arrested and held before trial um, at both the uh, Fort Mifflin and Eastern State Penitentiary, and many people believe that he was only arrested and tried so harshly so that authorities could make an example of him. After he received a guilty verdict, he was transported to the fort and held in casemate 11, which had been converted into solitary confinement during the Civil War. And before he was hung, he made one last declaration of his innocence, claiming that he would be pardoned by God because he did not take a man's life in cold blood. It was an accident. Um, though his uh, this life that ended in tragedy is the reason that many people believe that Howe is still at the fort, uh, mostly because his death was treated as, like, a commodity and was unfair. So not only was it made like into an entertainment thing, like they were selling tickets and one, they were making money off of it. But two people, some people were attending probably for their own entertainment because they were bored. But then again, he didn't mean to kill this officer. So like at most he should have gotten like life in prison because it was an accident, but like he shouldn't have been murdered for it. Especially by President Lincoln, who was against the death penalty anyway. Um, Howe actually broke out of the fort. So this is one of the things that I found out while I was researching extra things the last two weeks. Um, Howe actually broke out of the fort while he was imprisoned. So they had to transfer him to Eastern State Penitentiary for a few days, and then he was brought back to the fort to be executed. Um, which is significant a little later, and I'll explain why. Okay. So after the Civil War, the fort was used as an ammunition depot during World War One and World War Two, and was officially decommissioned for military duty in 1954. When it closed, it was the oldest continuously operated fort in the United States with over 175 years of service. 
As government officials debated the future of Mud Island, of the Mud Island Fort, which is Fort Mifflin, uh, local citizens led by Major Nicholas Biddle Jr. What? sought to preserve the. F- yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not even. It's, his name's awful anyway. Was the fact it's Junior, so that means there was an original, <laughs> and then decided, you know what, I'm gonna pass this on to my kid. Yep. Major Nicholas Biddle Jr. sought to preserve the fort and share its history with the public. Beginning in 1969, a local organization known as the Shack Maxson Society. I know I'm pronouncing this wrong. I'm watching it. I'm just listening to this progressively get funnier. But it was just like, you said that name. Shaq Maxson. You came in with that, and I'm like, I could have took any of this serious. I'd have been like, my name is, and then you would have said that, and I'd have been like, what? Listen, there are some really. I, honestly, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I sound like such a bully on this show, and I'm really not this way, but it's just like, I hear these names, and I'm just like, what is going on? Um. Okay, how to pronounce. Okay, I should have looked this up earlier and I did not. But New England has some, like, really weird names. There was another name that I heard earlier that is spelled one way but is pronounced a completely different way. And I'm like, why can't you just spell it like you say it? Or say it like you spell it. Not, this word the, here, I just... That's not how the English language works. Come on now. Baloney? I mean, I know. Oh. Did you hear that? No. Oh, okay. Uh, a little computer dude told me how to pronounce this word. And it is... Shackamaxon. Shackamaxon. I thought that should be two names. Shackamaxon. That should be like... I don't even know if it should be that. Like, uh, what, what is it? Um, it's it, named it, after... You said it was a, that was a company, right? Bro, no. Well, it was like a society. Oh, that's even worse. But it comes from a Lenape, a Lenape term, Sakimachin-ing, Sakimachin-ing, which means to make a chief or a king place. So, I don't know if this is Native American or if it's English or if it's Dutch or Swedish. I don't know. We're going to move on because that is uh, another thing I forgot to Google. Anyways, (laughs) so Mr. Biddle Jr. and the organization known as the Shackamaxon Society, which was later renamed the Old Fort Mifflin Historical Society. I feel like that's fine. Now we have a normal name. Yeah. They hosted guided tours and living history programs. So basically they were giving tours and having history reenactments at the fort. During the 1960s and 70s, oversight of the fort changed hands between local volunteers and the city. And then in 1986, a nonprofit organization known as Fort Mifflin on the Delaware was founded to serve as steward of the fort that saved America. So there's that term. This this fort is known as the fort that saved America. Um, 
Today, Fort Mifflin hosts guided tours, living history programs, aka reenactments, a wide variety of a wide variety of events, including group tours, education programs, historic reenactments, scout programs, and paranormal investigations. You can actually stay overnight there. <laughs> I mean, I agree, considering a story I'm going to tell you later, but... You can, I, you didn't even tell me the story. It was just going to be an error anyway. <laughs> the second is like, oh, you can stay at this place that could potentially be... Nope. Nope. Never. Yeah. But, like, they do, like, Girl Scout and Boy Scout overnight things. But then they also, like, have overnight stays uh, with, like, adult. Like, you can buy a ticket and, like, stay overnight and, like, camp out on the grounds or whatever. Or sleep. I think maybe they're sleeping in the guard stations now, I think. I don't really know because I didn't look into that because I think the whole thing's dumb. But it's weird. It's working for them. I mean, it is weird, but it's great for them because that's how they're keeping this fort alive. Like, they're keeping this history alive. So, like, it's great. And I love the fact that they're not, like, shying away from the paranormal activity. But um, I'm just, like, I don't want to stay overnight in a place where hundreds of people died. No thanks. Even if it wasn't haunted. I just, I can't. I can't do it. Ah, so the hospital. Uh, Yeah, I hate the hospital. <laughs> I've tried to get up and walk out of one before. Are you a different I could not walk, so it didn't work. There's times I'm just in there. I'm like, all right. It's like, I'm probably in there for like 10 minutes. Let me get out of here. Uh, Yeah, I have a chronic illness. I have stayed in the hospital plenty of times. <laughs> for a week or more. The longest I've ever... You know me. Know. Why are you giving me that face? It's 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 just my face. No, you gave me a wide-eyed look that was like, good God. And I'm <laughs> no, like, you, I know, said, you know who you're talking no, to. I said, good God. <laughs> I was like... No, but that's the uh, that's the look you gave me. I have, the, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Whatever. I'm not recording video. Otherwise, I would have proof. Because <laughs> this was just a video test whatever okay so now we're gonna get into the ghosts because there's a lot of them go for it <laughs> this is a military board <laughs> go figure um so the two most famous ghosts of fort mifflin are known as the faceless man and the screaming woman what? <laughs> and people stay here the face yeah like the, if that's what you let off with and i even like had reserve like you know what, maybe I'll do it. And you came in with that, I'm like, no. Nah. Like, even if I was like 20%, like, all right, maybe 20% of me would stay, 20% gone. So the screaming woman does not actually have, she supposedly was seen once, but most of the time people just hear her screaming. Um, the faceless man is seen all over the fort, and we'll get to him later. Um, but here are some other common sightings at the fort. Shadow figures darting in and out of rooms, orbs of light in the casemates and on the grounds of the fort, apparitions behind door frames. So I guess they're like peeking in a room, like they're like standing behind the door frame, like outside the door, and they're like peeking in, is what I get from that. Jiggling doorknobs. This one's really funny. A figure relieving himself in an unoccupied room. Ayo, hey, what? <laughs> 
So there's an apparition of a dude peeing in a room that's unoccupied. Like, it's not a specific room. I just, I read several places that there are reports of this guy peeing in a room. Where there's <laughs> where there's no one else. Like, it's just, I'm I mean, like, yeah. That was just like, that's just, I'd be like, you just walk, nope. And then you just, it's like, it's like, it's like what, what'd you see? Well, that's embarrassing. I don't want to see if someone, I don't want to walk in someone pee. I did so much digging and I got to this bullet point. Like, I kept seeing it and I was like, okay, people are making stuff up. But then I saw it on a credible website and I was like, either I have reached the depths of the internet where fact and fiction are the same or this is real. So I included it because one, I think it's funny. And two, I saw it on two Reddit forms about this place. Um, it was referenced on two podcasts, and I'm pretty sure they got it from the same credible source that I did, which uh, I think was like ghostresearch.com or something like that. I don't know. Ghostresearch, ghostresearch.org, and then um, another article written by a research magazine that it will all be linked in the show notes and on the website whenever we get that up and running because I am only one person and I have no free time. (sighs) I'm trying to convince Maddie to help me, but she keeps saying she doesn't know how to work a website, but she, like, won't sit still long enough for me to teach her. This is, this, this is, what's the word? That was a jab, Madeline. I need your help and I will pay you. Throwing a jab, throwing shade. Thank you, yes, it's shade. There we go. That's the that's the cool people's term for that. <laughs> it's been established that I'm not cool, apparently. I, I, I'm, I'm out of that argument. I'm not here. By Gen Z standards. Oh, we had to explain to you what cap was. Oh. I could have Googled it. You had to explain it to my mom, and then... I just was like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to use it because of my age range. My mom couldn't figure out how to use it. I know how to use it. I just don't talk to young people, so I didn't know it was a thing. Look, it don't even gotta be like that. It's just be like, ah, that's cap. And then you're going with your business. There's no, there's no, like, there's no setup. It's just like, ah, okay. Okay, well, Maddie told mom that she was using it wrong. And I was telling mom that she was not supposed to use it because she's Gen X. Look, your mom shouldn't be using it. <laughs> I mean, she shouldn't, and I'm just not going to either because you're also it's okay. Shut up. <laughs> um. Okay, so there's the guy peeing. Um. There's a hissing shadow figure in the casemates. So, like, it's a shadow figure, but he hisses. So I don't know if it's like it's like the way he moves make a makes a hissing sound or if he's literally like going around hissing at people i know right like i'm not upset about this there's a other people that were like "Mm, yeah i don't like that and i'm over here like if a ghost hissed at me i would just hiss at it back (laughs) like let's let's have a cat conversation i'm i'm down at that point i'd be like all right i'm going to the door like i don't even be like i wouldn't be like terrified (laughs) the ghost anymore like we have reached the darkest time (laughs) <laughs> we're hissing it. I, was like, I was like, are you okay? Uh, I'd probably like go look at some of your medicine and I'd be like, what's in this stuff? I was like, why are you hissing at ghosts? Or sad- shadowy figures? I'm like, don't know we're on here say that's a side effect, so you don't know. 
<laughs> I'm done. I'm going to the car. You can hiss if this goes. Yeah, maybe like I would, like I'd put in the notebook of things that make me question why. I'm here. <laughs> with the person that I am here. With. It was like hissing at shadowy figures. Reason number ten. <laughs> <laughs> um. So guests and employees both report feeling unwelcome feelings and tightness in their chests in various areas. Uh, disembodied voices are also common here. <laughs> uh, I guess so. I don't. So I don't... they hiss at me. <laughs> then they trying to like be like, "Hey, uh, yeah, your your chest about to feel real funny, my guy." And I'm just like, "I'd rather you hiss at me. <laughs> like, don't make me like, man." Maybe I'm just out of shape, and it's like, nah, that ain't it. It's that ghost. <laughs> That's like some frighteners stuff right there. Yeah, at that point, like I keep saying, at this point, I'm already gone. But like, no, like, there's as as we get on, I I kind of in my mind, I always make a thing of what actually would make me leave and what actually I say in the podcast because like I do have a tolerable point where I'm just like, oh, that might be interesting, but then that that is a that is a, a hold on. <laughs> all right um so disembodied voices are also common um there is apparently a judge in casemate five um and casemates are like little alcoves or rooms underground at the fort where um like there's usually like cubby holes that they would or like windows that they would put, like, the mouths of, like, cannonballs and stuff. It was basically just a way to, like, shoot. It allowed them to shoot artillery over the river, essentially. And so, but it, they were underground so that, like, people, you know, they're, the people operating the guns weren't getting hit by enemy fire. Yeah. Um, so, case the casemates are all underground, for, for reference. They're all, like, literally, like, six feet under. If not, maybe not quite six feet, but about six feet, I think. Um... So there's a judge in Casemate 5 that likes to cuss people out. Um, and this, this ghost identifies himself as the judge. Um, so like he doesn't, I mean, they believe they know who he is. Um, but you, if you call him by his name, apparently he like will get mad at you and either like cuss you out. Or, which I mean, he cusses everybody out, but, like, I think people have said that he can get a little aggressive or he just won't interact with you if you don't call him the judge. So, he identifies himself as the judge. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't have, my name is Princess. You may not address me as anything else other than Princess or Your Highness. That is my name. I will not respond to anything else. Yeah, so I'm totally on this dude's side. Um, but employees and historians... <laughs> His face. <laughs> I know you guys can't see it. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's so dumb with me right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> All right, continue. I'll, I'll... Oh, wait, you can't see what my nightgown says. What does it say? I just see the look. It says oh Prince. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's not even surprising anymore. But it's it. I feel like I get surprised more and more. I was like, all right. I was like, how bad is it actually? And then all of a sudden, like, it's bad. <laughs> um, I was having a conversation today uh, with someone 
that I met online. Um, I'm on Bumble BFF because my therapist was like, it's time for you to date other people. And I was like, no, I don't want to date other people. And she was like, well, you need to like get used to meeting new people. So Bumble has like a Bumble BFF where you can meet people that like don't want a relationship. They just want friends. I have a story about that, but keep, keep going. Oh, um, so I, uh, made a friend, uh, coincidentally, his name is Matt. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> that's red flag. And he's a gamer and he's a gamer. Red flag and too. I had to be like, <laughs> well, he's married. Red flag number three. <laughs> no, he and his wife are adorable and he has a lot of Jordan approved weaponry. It's great. Um, it's relevant to my story, okay? Moving on. Um, yeah, me. So. <laughs> you went over here um, talking about weaponry. I'm just like, like, what? Like, where are we going with this story? Um, he's really cool. And even though his name is Matt, I was like, okay, dude, like, just tell me, are you a casual gamer or are you, like, competitive? Because I don't know if I can handle a co- another competitive Matt. And he was like, nah, I'm, wait. I can't. No, I'm chill. Like, I'm very casual. And I was like, okay, cool. And so we got to talking. Uh, we both played B- Oh, play if D&D someone else is casual, it's okay. But since I do it way too much, it's a problem. Casual gamer. Gamer. It was very, it was a very specific question. <laughs> and it was not open-ended. Very specific question. Um, but we were having a conversation about how he gets, like, an hour break. And I only get a 30-minute break. And... Like, we were just started this conversation about how, like, I work nine hours, sir. Like, I feel like I should get a whole hour instead of a half hour. And then he just made the comment of, like, no, back to work, peasant. And I was like, excuse me? I am not a peasant. I am a princess. And he was just like, well, I know that. But I don't think the people in the corporate world know that. And uh, he was like, maybe you should go tell them. And I was like... Well, I have told them, and they told me that I don't have authority here because my I have no authority in the corporate realm because I'm not really a princess. And then I got mad at yeah, them and left. And so, like, we had this whole conversation about, like, me being a princess, so it was just funny. And he, like, didn't even bat an eyelash. He was like, no, 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 that's cool. Like, maybe you should go tell them that, though. I feel so like, I think I feel like this poor man probably deals with it with his wife, too. And it's just like... Oh, probably. probably like, Hold on. Know. I have the conversation. It's really good. It's probably, like, eight, you know. I've been down the show already. His name in my phone is Matt from Bumble. There you go. Uh, not that conversation. Oh, yeah. So he says, no back. Present. Yeah. So I said, I am not a princess or I am not a peasant. I am a princess. And he said, well, I know that. Tell that to the corporate assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I have to make this explicit now. <laughs> Um, I said, I have, but they say I have no authority in the corporate world for it's a democracy, but it's not a democracy. I see through their facade. And then he said, so what you're saying is that we must siege their stronghold and lay waste to the filth inside. And I was like, yes, I command it. I want their heads on pikes. And then he was like, can we put them on stripper poles so that they spin? And I was like, I don't care. Do whatever you like. And then he sent me a picture of like, how we have options and he sent me a picture of all of his jordan approved weaponry so it was great and i'm pretty sure i've been recruited to his D- the, his upcoming D campaign there you go 
so that's fun. So yeah, I made I, I met I've made two friends so far. And I am going to meet a third one on Friday. I might die, guys, but it's fine. I will be full of Korean barbecue if I do die. So I'll die happy. Just take care of Yuna for me. It's like, I might die, guys. I was like, look. I don't even know what I would say like for the eulogy. I'd be like, guys, um, yeah, she got on Bumble BFF. And, like, and the first one was like, you didn't try to stop her? No. Nope. You just blame my therapist. It was her idea. Exactly. That's what I'm like, it's like, it wouldn't even matter. Like, but then it's like, but then I knew. So it's just like at that point, it's just like, huh. It's like, nah. Guys, you gotta, you gotta let people make their own decisions sometimes. And here we are. Also, there was no stopping her. Yeah, no, like, I, I gave up on that one. Um, yeah. no, so you said Bumble BFF, so there is, like I said, this is a short story. Like, it don't even take, like, all of five, it don't even take, like, five minutes. One of my other friends, they're, they're on there, they were on there, too. And they're just looking for, like, some new friends because it, it literally, it's really, I feel like it's kind of sad, but not really. Like, their friend circle accounted to me... The person who's their boyfriend now, and I think like one of the person they were trying to you know get some new friends and potentially you know maybe get a roommate. So she takes the screenshot of was like guess what I found on here, and she sent it to me, and I said there's no way. Oh my god, was it you? No, 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 no. Oh, it was um it was, was it? she who must not be named. Oh, and I was like I said there's no way. And she was like, roll, uh, she was like, I said, what? She said, what do I do? Like, you're your own person. You do whatever you want to do. And she told me, I was like, I should have seen if we was a match so I could just mess her and be like, Bit. and I was like, no, we don't do that. But it, it was so. Man, she should have. Yeah, but it was. She should have. And then you could have told her it was me catfishing her. It would have been great. It was, God, it was so. Funny. I was just not like, she was similar. Like, yeah, I was like, what are the odds? I was like, it was, it was funny. No, like, Cause I'm not on any of that stuff, but it was to me it was just funny that 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 happened. Yeah, it took my therapist like a whole month and a half to convince me to like do anything remotely related to meeting strangers. Stranger danger. Well, yeah, because I was like, ma'am, I have my own podcast about scary things. I do nothing but listen to true crime podcasts and watch true crime documentaries, and my dad was a cop. It's also why it's hard to get her on a boat. Yeah, also why it's hard to get me on a boat. But specifically a cruise boat. Yeah. Or a cruise ship. As my dad would say, it's a ship. Um yeah, and I was like, I don't know I don't know. And then I agreed to to meet one of the people that I got matched with on Friday because I'm off. Um, we're meeting for dinner, so it's not really like during the day. But I was I kept like having panic attacks today when we were making plans and I was like <laughs> I don't want to die. Hey, you did it to yourself at this point. Like I, like I, I couldn't even be like I could be upset, but it's just like hey, just hands up. And I'm just gonna be like, yeah. We came to a mutual like. Well, me and my therapist came to a mutual agreement. She was gonna do something if I did this, and so I was like, okay. And so I was like, if it doesn't work out or I die, I'll be vindicated because it's in my will now to tell her that it's her fault. In a nice way, because I don't actually want her to feel bad. I just want to be it's like, too late. I did what you told no, me to. No, it's too late. Like that, you, you'd be dead. You don't get a say in the matter at that point. Uh-huh, I told Thea, and it's in my will. Okay. Thea can be nice. 
Thea will well she'll be impartial. I don't really know about being nice, It'll be better off than be like, you know what? It's like I'll be like me is like I'm not the only one that's gonna cry today. <laughs> okay, we really gotta move on. Okay, though. let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. So back to the judge who named himself a judge. And we are meant to be best friends because all he does is cuss people out <laughs> and uses the F word a lot. Because they call him anything but the uh, judge. Well, I mean, he's just a very disgruntled man in general, but they believe that this is Judge Jacob Wilhelm, who was imprisoned at the fort for basically leading a group of pacifists that opposed the war and Lincoln. So apparently this was very common during the revolution or during the Civil War. But are they actually a threat? Well, yeah. According to historical records we have people that we have 44 people that were imprisoned at fort mifflin alone there were other civilians that were imprisoned in other union cities just for opposing the war and or lincoln but again like outwardly opposing him like speaking yeah, out i know but again like outwardly i mean you know that's kind of what at that point you'd be like hey constitution here we go anyway at the point but i'll be like they're pacifists so like my guy, I could have rolled up, and now, like, the most they could have done is, like, yell at me. Yeah, before Lincoln was, uh, during his campaign, I mean, there was, like, a whole plot to assassinate Lincoln that he accidentally thwarted. So, like, you know, like, there's other people that are actively trying to, like, kill him because they don't like him, and he's imprisoning people that just don't like him. They're not actually, like, threatening him. They're just, like, and it wasn't even, like, the judge and his group of people were causing issues or like trying to get people not to vote for him they were basically they were just pacifists but because they were they verbally opposed both lincoln and the war they were imprisoned and i couldn't find any proof that jacob or that the judge was uh executed but we do know that he was held prisoner at the fort. We do not know for how long. Um, but as I said, we do know that over 40 civilians were imprisoned at the fort in the dungeon of Casemate 5. And they actually call that one specific area the dungeon. Um, but other guests report uh, voices, like disembodied voices, saying things like, fire in the hole! <laughs> or other commands like relating to gunfire. <laughs> or cannon fire, I should say. Um, one employee reported that he was picking up trash late one night, like, after, like, a reenactment. He was picking up trash off the, like, grassy area, and there was, like, a voice very close to him that said, thank you, (laughs) but there was, but there was no one else around. So, like, he knew, like, there was no one else there, and they tested the way, like, voices carry at this place, and Ghost Hunters did, so Taps did, Mm -hmm. um, you can't hear people when they're inside buildings or in the casemates. Like, you can't hear them talking. And it's not like he was a ghost hunter who had, like, equipment on him that could, like, carry voices and stuff. Like, he was very, it was like, it was a man's voice. It was very close. Mm-hmm. And it was very upbeat and was like, thank you for picking up the trash, you know, kind of thing. So, definitely not aggressive, Um there's only been two reported incidents that were even slightly aggressive, and we do know that a lot of times, like, aggressive paranormal activity can, is usually just, like, a misunderstanding. Um, 
So, uh, there are also reports very commonly of soldiers around the fort cleaning their guns, uh, when no reenactors are present. So, like, guests will walk through and just, like, look over and see a bunch of, like, Civil War or Revolutionary War soldiers cleaning their weapons. Uh, guests also report both Revolutionary and Civil War era soldiers just wandering about. So not only are they just, like, sitting around cleaning their guns, but they also see them just kind of, like, walking around. And sometimes they're really solid, sometimes they're not. Like, sometimes it's very obviously, like, an apparition of some kind, and then other times, like, which I'll get to it later, that they look like a person, and then they find out later that that's not a real person. Um, there's also... Uh, lots of reports of disembodied smells. So people report smelling baking bread or a wood fire. But then there's also the smell of like rotting flesh around the borders of the fort where dead bodies were buried. Well, that makes sense. But uh, Yeah, this, but it's this, like it's been a hundred and... But you were saying like disembodied smells. I was like, well, yeah, we got a ghost relieving himself. Well, that too. But I just didn't see any reports of like them actually smelling pee. They just see him peeing. Which is so weird to me, and I really want to go and see if I can see this guy peeing. Like, that's the only reason why I'm going, is I want to see the dude peeing. I just... Because I want proof that that's I, a real thing. I, 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 what? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to look at anything private. I just want to ah, see if I it, can you know, catch a glimpse of him peeing. So it's just like... Imagine that that person just tuned into the podcast. I just want to catch a glimpse of him peeing. And there's like, what? Hey, rewind that back. Well, because it's... But because it is such, like, a random claim that I'm, like, intrigued and, like, I want to know if that's something that really happens. Because, like, I've never, ever heard anywhere else in all of the, like, ghost-related material that I have consumed in the last ten years have I ever heard a report of like a ghost like assumed is definitely a loose term peeing you did i was like assumed is definitely it she did basically i know i have a problem i'm just glad you know i know i'm aware all right that's all that matters as long as you're aware of your problem are you doing a scratch off right now sure did i was like huh i got time (laughs) let me do this real quick and then i was like Right? And then I was like, huh. I won $2. I hope you lose. Well, too bad. I won $2. Oh, gosh. $2. Hey, all I'm saying is you hoped I lost. So I'm going to do the other one. Just to prove a point. You can keep talking. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing, though. Uh, Okay. So... Then, of course, we have reports of the woman screaming, and then people uh, complain slash report uh, of being touched, pushed, and pulled by icy cold phantom hands. See, there we go. That um, BS again. I was all good. <laughs> like, I was all good until something physically happens to me. Like, I am okay. And then he's like, well, they have chest. Nope. It's like, oh, well, then the ghost. Now they start, like, they feel, now they feel like they're being touched. Pulled my uh uh-uh. uh. Nope, you were good until you touched me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, I just want to reiterate that a lot of times scratching and pushing can be misunderstood. It could be an accident on the ghosts, and we really don't know. Um, but there are theories out there that it's just them trying to like 
get you to know that they're there. And so sometimes they put too much effort into it because they'll put too little and then you, like, won't know. So then they just, like, try super hard and then it comes across as aggressive. Um, I got too cold. I'm a no. It's like, hmm, that's a chill. Oh, nah, what you want? <laughs> Good to know. Um, but, okay, so they're in... in um, to back up my previous statement about, you know, it not always being aggressive, uh, one of the tour guides told, uh, the people from one of the ghost shows that I watched, um, so I watched, I did watch an episode of Ghost Hunters, and then I watched an episode of a show called Portals to Hell, which is a new show for me, like, I'd never watched it before, um, mostly because when I see titles like that, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be, like, super dramatic, um, but it wasn't. It was actually very good. It's just two people. One of them's British, which was really funny because, like, they really didn't get a whole lot of interaction. And he's like, maybe it's because I'm British. <laughs> the ghosts here probably hate me. And so that was, they. Were, it was funny. Um, but one of the tour guides told uh, the two people on that show during the tour that while she was giving a tour one summer in Casemate 11, the power to the fort had been shut off that day by the power company for like maintenance or something and uh but all her everybody in her group had flashlights uh because there was no light down in the casemates and like when you're down there without any light it is pitch dark even in the daytime like i said you're six feet under the ground um and they're made of stone and a lot of the fort like a lot of the casemates were like the cubby holes would have been for the artillery guns to poke out and like shoot across the river those were buried in the bombardment so, like, a lot of the casemates are not fully excavated. They're, they're under the ground. Because originally they necessarily wouldn't have been six feet under the ground. They probably would have been mostly under the ground and then had, like, the guns poking out barely out of the top. Like, of the ground. Um, so, everybody in her group had flashlights, so she was able to continue the tour. And she is a seamstress, and so she was in period clothing... Uh, that she had made herself, and she told the guests to enter the casemate in front of her because it would take her a minute to go down the stairs because she had to, like, hold up her skirt and stuff. <laughs> um, she said that before she could even lift her skirt to go down the steps, a hand reached out and took her arm to guide her down the steps, and it was somebody that she couldn't see, and, like, people had flashlights, so, like, she could see a little bit. She could see enough to go down the steps. But there was a hand that reached out, and it was, like, or she said that it was as if someone had wrapped her arm in an ice pack. Because hmm. it was that cold. It was that cold, and that's how she knew it wasn't, like, a real person or, like, a living person because of how cold the hand was. And she couldn't see whoever was touching her. But she believes that it's the ghost of William Howe. Um, probably because they were in Casemate 11. But there is another guy who was believed to have been imprisoned in Casemate 11, but I could not prove his identity at all. Um, I couldn't find any records of him existing and being enlisted during the war, during the Civil War at all, let alone being positioned or imprisoned at Fort Mifflin. Um... His name is Sergeant Bernard Devlin. The only Sergeant Bernard Devlin that I could find um, died of old age in, like, Canada or something. Hmm. 
So I can't I can't prove that he was a real person, but they do. There are historians at the fort and people who work at the fort do tell people that this Sergeant Bernard Devlin was imprisoned for a desertion at the fort and was in solitary confinement in because there's two cells in case made 11. And so he was supposedly in one of the other cells, either around the same time as how or at the same time. But this this tour guide does believe that the person who helped her down the stairs uh, was the ghost of William Howe. Because we know that he was not a violent person. Um, the death of the officer was an accident, and the press likely reported him as a violent, you know, person for justification of his hanging, mostly to make an example out of him. Um, so now we're going to talk about the Screaming Lady. Alright. So the Screaming Lady occupies the officer's quarters, supposedly. She's never been seen, but people hear her. But the fort is open, so a lot of people say that, like, well, they can't really confirm that the screams aren't coming from outside the fort, but there's an airport nearby, and it's along the river, so, like, I feel like if it was coming from a boat on the river or near the airport, it would be muffled enough Mm -hmm. to where, like, you could tell that it was not coming from within the fort, but that's just my opinion, because I've never been there. Um, but, like, I've, I've watched a lot of video walkthroughs and stuff, and a lot of video footage of the fort, and just the way that it's built, like, I don't feel like sound could come from outside the fort and carry in that way, where it would sound very close by. Um, So, her screams and wails can be heard all over the fort, but supposedly it originates in the officer's quarters. So, the officer's quarters is a two-story building, and it's got, like, a balcony around the second story, around the front part of the second story. And then there's there's an outside staircase that goes up to that second floor balcony, um, and then there's, like, doors that let out into the balcony. Um, So, the screaming lady was believed... To be a woman named Elizabeth Pratt, who lived at the fort with her husband and daughter. After the death of her daughter, Elizabeth uh, hung herself at the fort. Um, I found (laughs) conflicting reports of where Elizabeth hung herself and how old her daughter was and how her daughter died. In one article, I read that Elizabeth's daughter fell in love with an enlisted man at the fort, which pissed off. Elizabeth's husband, so, like, the daughter's dad, and they never reconciled. And then Elizabeth's daughter died of typhoid fever, and Elizabeth was just heartbroken. Because, like, I guess since the father disowned her, like, she wasn't allowed to talk to her either. So, like, when she left and then died, like, the mom was just, like, or Elizabeth was just heartbroken. But on Ghost Hunters, the tour guide... Uh, who was, uh, his name was, like, Wayne, um, and he was the caretaker at the time. So, not necessarily a tour guide, but he was their tour guide. Um, uh, but he told Jason and Grant that it was Elizabeth and her daughter that had been in a disagreement, and when the daughter died, she roamed around the fort moaning and screaming for weeks before she actually flung herself off the balcony Ayo. that was connected to a specific room. So she still hung herself, but it was like she like put the noose around her neck and then jumped off the balcony. I feel like that um, would be a severe case of uh, <laughs> trauma. 
Yeah, because it was, like, the next day. Like, she did it at night, and then, like, the next day, he said that, like, the officers came out and found her there. I can't even imagine. It's like, um, you woke up, oh, today's gonna be a good day, and then you, like, look up. Yeah. And you're like... Because the... <laughs> then he's like, ah, oh, ish. It's like, guys, go back yeah. to sleep. This ain't it. The Ghost Hunters episode is from 2008. Jesus. Um, yeah, so it's very old. 14 so... years ago. Mm-hmm. Um... So there's there's been some new information come to light, but um, well, um, but back then they they were told that that version of the story and the officers' quarters they believed back then that you know there would be four officers to a room in that house mm-hmm. and or four officers living in the house and they could bring their wives and their kids and so Elizabeth Pratt's. Husband would have been one of the officers. Was his name Chris? Um, Chris Brown. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, we can assume it is if you want. Look, that's fine with me. <laughs> um, uh, you okay, but then I look on over another... my I look over my picture and I'm like, I got like two horns just sticking up and I keep looking at it and I can't help it. I'm just like, huh, why is it only the two? It's like right here. <laughs> I didn't even notice until you pointed it out, and now I can't. See, see but it's so noticeable, though. It's literally the two hairs that are sticking up. (laughs) It's just because you got headphones on. It's fine. Um, Yeah, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Um... But on another podcast, or but on one of the podcasts that I listened to, it was reported that Elizabeth Daughter died of dysentery and not typhoid. And then, like I said, there's been new research and facts that have come to light that suggest Miss Pratt didn't even live in the officer's quarters, um, that she lived on the land where the armory is now located and never would have been able to hang herself off the balcony. So the new facts that we have, uh, they're not saying that Elizabeth Pratt didn't live at the fort. She did. We know that she existed and she was real and she was married to an officer, but she was not living in that building that they say is the officer's quarters. Mm -hmm. I've also seen that building be referred to as the hospital, I think. So I think they're still kind of like getting information on what building was used when Mm -hmm. or what building, what buildings were used for what and when. Um, but they now believe that the screaming lady is another woman named Elizabeth, but her name is Elizabeth Bunker and that's all the information I have on that. Like, they think it's this other woman named Elizabeth. Um, but they, I, I couldn't find a whole lot of information why they think that she's the screaming lady. Like, other than the fact that she could have died in the officer's quarters. Um, which is why I got confused of whether or not the hospital was also the officer's quarters. So, like, maybe that building was the officer's quarters during the Revolutionary War. And then, like, during the Civil War, it was, like, a hospital or something. Because in Portals to Hell, the I kept seeing them in that building when they were, like, supposedly investigating the hospital. Um, and they have events in the hospital. And the only building that I know of that would be able to host events is the officer's what was considered the officer's quarters in 2008 during that ghost hunters episode. Um, so I'm assuming that the same building, but I could be wrong. But in that portals to hell episode, they did talk about Elizabeth bunker a little bit. And Greg O'Brien mentioned that Elizabeth 
Bunker was probably a patient at the hospital at some point, but they, like, don't know why she is upset. Like, the me they have, like, a medium with them, and he kind of made some inferences, but it's probably going to be one of those things that, like, unless the ghost outright tells us why she's upset, we're never really going to know. But, uh... Now you guys see why it took me so long to do research for this and why I do so much research on these things because <laughs> lots of conflicting information and I am a perfectionist and I want to make sure that I don't give out wrong information. So I usually fact check two or three times before I actually re before we actually record an episode. Um okay. So the building that is either the officer's quarters or the hospital, there was a group of school children that reported seeing a frightening woman in the window. To the wall. Um, yeah, like, they just kept, like, it scared them so bad that some of them were crying and in tears, but they kept asking the tour guide, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with her? Why is she in the window? Like, why does she look like that? But then the tour guide turned around and didn't see anything, but they were clearly still seeing her, and they he had to, like, move them away from that building to, like, get them to calm down. Um, because she was so scary looking, but we don't have any, like, details of what she looked like because it was so frightening to them. He, like, said he didn't press them for details. Um, now, Dave Tango, during the Ghost Hunters episode that I watched, was heading to one of the casemates with Steve, and he needed to use the bathroom. So he goes into the officer's quarters slash hospital building, whatever that building is, to use the bathroom. And as he nears the bathroom, he sees someone walking in the women's bathroom. Uh, like, they were going to come out, but then they, like, went back into the bathroom, like, towards the stall, but they didn't actually, like, open the window. So basically, he was seeing, like, movement under the door. So somebody was in front of the door blocking out light coming from out of the bathroom mm -hmm. into the rest of the... So, like, he was seeing somebody moving... Yes in the bathroom and um thinking it was chris he yelled out to her but she didn't answer so he goes to check and there's no one in there so he runs out and is like dude 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 and he makes steve come in there and they check it again and he's like i'm sorry but i had to go in the girl's bathroom to check and blah 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 and there was no one here so they did set out a mini dv to see if they could catch any movement under the door again but they didn't but I thought that was an interesting uh, personal experience for Dave. And he was very excited. And he was like, I've never witnessed anything like that. Like, he's like, I have never been so sure of what I have saw. Which this is still pretty early in the series for Dave. So there were definitely events later on for him that were just as exciting, if not even more so. But this is one of the first times where he was like, I know what I saw. And I went in there and there was no one there. So that that was a very solid and exciting experience for him, which is why I included it. Man, let me um, see. Tell me I'm crazy. I know what I saw. <laughs> uh, and then later on, he was convinced by Steve to crawl under something for $60 because there was a bunch of bugs. And Steve was like, I'll give you 60 bucks if you crawl under there with all them centipedes. And so he did it. So <laughs> you couldn't do it. You couldn't pay me. The, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have been like, you can keep your $60, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah, Steve is always convincing him to do silly stuff like that. And, and it's it's very entertaining to watch. Um, so my next bullet is kind of sad. Oh, um, <laughs> 
There are several reports of children seeing other kids while they're on the tours. Uh, There was one specific story that Greg O'Brien told Amy on Haunted Road that there was a kid on a tour who was like, hey, did you see that kid? And Greg was like, no, you're the only kid on the tour. And he was like, no, there was another kid here. Where did he go? He was there one minute and then he wasn't. And then Greg is like, well, what was he wearing? And they kind of go through this whole charade. And then finally he had to be like, well, congratulations. You've just seen your first ghost at Fort Mifflin. Um, I think the kid actually was like, are there children's ghosts here is actually how that conversation started. Um, But Greg, you know, told him that, yes, there are documented deaths of children outside the fort. Um, they, They have documentation of children drowning in the Delaware River and washing up on the shore of Mud Island. So, but it's mainly other children that see them. Yeah, it's very sad. Um, Don't get us canceled now. I'm not. We're moving on. That's the only really, like, really sad part. Um, Okay, so now we're going to talk about Casemate 11. So this Casemate was actually uncovered in the early 2000s by the caretaker, Wayne, when he was mowing. He said that he, like, drove over the spot, noticed a sinkhole, and got off, and then realized that it, like, opened up to, like, an underground portion that they hadn't excavated yet. Um, They have the original plans for the fort, so they know that there were, like, places that they, you know, were still buried and stuff, um, and were probably covered up by the later reconstructions and repairs. Um, So they started excavations of Casemate 11 in 2007, and they let TAPS investigate down there in 2008 as the first people to investigate the Casemate. So they started excavations, but they weren't allowing guests down there because it was still very tight. There was still a lot of rubble around. They they hadn't excavated the steps yet or anything like that. So when Jay and Grant and the other investigators had gone down there, they had to, like, go down this, like, really rickety, like, wooden ladder and it was very tight and it made a lot of them very claustrophobic and I definitely would not have been able to go down there. Um, but at the time it was only partially excavated and like I said, was very tight. Uh, Jason is very claustrophobic by the way. <laughs> uh, but Jason and Grant both experienced shadow figures in the tunnels, which was even more frightening because you're in a tunnel and there's like nowhere for you to go mm-hmm. to get away. Like you see, this shadow figure in front of you or you feel someone move behind you and there's no one there and you have, like, nowhere to go. Um, Jason saw a figure clear as day at the end of the tunnel, like, because this is the casemate that was made into solitary confinement and there's two cells. So there's, like, a hallway and then, like, a room. And then you go down the hallway a little more and there's, like, a turn and then there's another room. And so I'm assuming that that was one of the cells. And then there's like another section of Casemate 11. Um, That was one of the casemates that since it was made into like cells, it's kind of hard to pinpoint like what, I can tell you what it looks like now, but in 2008 when Ghost Hunters was filming there, like it's very hard to kind of get a sense of what the layout was for them when they got to go down there because that's not the layout now. But there is hallways, there is, like, a set of stairs that goes deeper into the casemate, and then there's, like, a little tunnel that I think goes to a different cell, um, because that's the, the, like, little escape tunnel that Howe used to escape the fort before he was recaptured and then taken to Eastern State Penitentiary. Um, 
So Jason was standing at like the beginning of the hallway and he was peering down towards that like curve uh, or the corner and it's very low and very tight. So like he sees an apparition and it's like crouched down and it like scurries down the hallway and turns around that corner. So Jason sends Grant down to that area and Grant sees something similar, but there's like the, like, cubby holes that I was telling you mm-hmm. about that, like, the artillery would poke through, right. it had opened up into another area that I guess was part of the casemate or part of, like, what they made into a cell or something, and it had, like, bars. So they had put bars over it, so I guess that, like, whoever they were keeping in there couldn't get out, but it would, it was looking out into another section of the casemate, and so Grant is sitting on one side of the bars, And he sees a crouching shadow figure moving within that space. And they, like, are scurrying around down there as best they could. And they just couldn't, they couldn't catch it on camera, but they also couldn't find anybody else down there. And their cameraman was having a really hard time keeping up with them because it was so tight and he's got, like, all this equipment. So there, there was, like, um like, a live show or, like, an event that they did where people were, like, asking questions and stuff about, you know, going down into Casemate 11 because they had sent people down there alone, but then there's, like, footage of them sending people down there alone, but that means there's a cameraman with them, and they're like, well, that's the magic of reality TV is, like, I actually did go down there by myself, but then, like, the production crew wanted to get shots of me down there to kind of, like, edit in with me being like down there by myself or whatever and so there's a lot of like reenactment in reality tv i don't know if like normal people know that but um so they were talking about like how the production crew could only like go so far down there with like all of their equipment so they have experiences down there that we didn't even get to see because the cameraman couldn't get far enough down there to, like, get to where they were seeing these shadows fi- shadow figures, or they, the the camera people were only down there for a short period of time, so, like, the actual footage is, like, all from, like, one bulk of shots, whereas, like, they went down there periodically. But, I mean, Casemate 11 is probably the most, one of the most active areas of the fort. Um, so, later, they returned to the Casemate, And Grant had the scare of his life. Hmm. Like, I have never seen this man react that way to anything. And what happened to him was not scary. It startled him. Because that is just not something you ever expect. And I have only seen that happen. Like, the thing that happens to him happen one other time. In a previous season. To two different investigators... I guess it happened to three different investigators, but it was in season three and it was in Lep Castle, which we've already talked about. Um, but it was when Ghost Hunters was in Ireland. And so Grant was down in that hallway and he was kind of like in front of one of those like cubbyhole things. And he, they were hearing shuffling and like moving around. So he goes to turn his flashlight on and his flashlight shines into that cubby hole and there's a face. Mm. And he was not expecting it, but he was like clear as day. It was a face. And so he like, he freaks out and he's like, dude, man, I almost just crap my pants. Like he was just not expecting it. And he was like, I have never experienced anything like that. And it was so sudden, but it was 
so clear. And, I mean, it was a whole face. He's like, it was a white face with a grim look. It had, like, greasy, dirty, blonde hair or, like, lighter colored hair. There was a beard, whole nine yards. He was like, I could make out eyebrows. Like, I could tell you it was a human face. It was not, like, it was solid. He was like, it was not see-through. It was a face, man. Like, holy cow. Um... So after that whole thing, he, he's reeling from that, but then they also just, they start hearing, like, breathing sounds, there's the shuffling, because they're still excavating it, so there's, like, all of these rocks, you know, and, like, debris that's, like, moving around. Um, they described what they, well, they heard something, and they described it as scratching within the walls, so, like, it's scratching, but it sounds like it's coming from within the wall, but the walls are made of solid rocks, so, like... I don't know how to explain what they could have been hearing because it's not like there was mice within the walls because the walls are solid. Um, but they both were stumped by that because they were like, these walls are made of solid stone and rock and brick. And like, it sounds like the scratching is coming from inside the wall because like there, I guess there was just no vibrations on the outside of the wall. Like, I, I don't know. Um, but that's what they said. And then, um, they also heard a lot of footsteps. So just a lot of shuffling, a lot of movement, a lot of shadow figures. Um, at one point, Jay thought Grant was leaving because there were footsteps moving away from the two of them. And Grant's like, dude, I haven't moved. So, I mean, like, that's how solid and very clear the movement was. And then they also sent Tango and Chris, because uh, both Tango and Chris were, like, investigators in training at that point. Um, which I don't know that Tango was technically still in training, but he's still relatively new. So they were like, hey, for like experience purposes, we want you two to go down there alone. So Chris went down alone first, I think, and then Tango went down and both of them could not handle being in there alone. Um, they both felt like they couldn't breathe. They were super panicky. Like it just felt very heavy. And they both came out and were like, I'm so sorry, but I can't handle it. And Bojay and Grant were like, Everybody has a different level of what they can handle. Like, don't feel bad because you couldn't stay down there. Like, if you're feeling something, listen listen to your body. Like, if you're scared, you can leave. It's okay. We're not ever going to get mad at you. Um, but other people who visit the casemate now still say that they feel those very heavy feelings. They feel like they can't breathe. They're, some people just get very angry for no reason. Um, Greg, one of the tour guides who spoke with Amy on Haunted Road, um, well, she only spoke to Greg, so he was a special guest, but he's one of the tour guides mm -hmm. at the fort, and he's, like, the paranormal expert. Um, but he told her that once when he was down in Casemate 11, uh, he had three guests with him, but one of the guests was in the, like, first cell, and then he and the two other guests, which I think it was, like, a mom, a dad, and their kid, and so, like, the mom and the kid were with him in the very back cell, and the dad was in the front cell, and, um, he had a large brick thrown at him, and it hit the wall behind him, and it made, like, a really loud sound that, like, the dad from the front cell came in, and he wouldn't have been able to throw the brick because he, like, had to come around that corner, and so he came and was like, what is that? And so it's it was loud enough and forceful enough that it scared everybody that was in there with him, and they ended up leaving. Um, but that's one of the two, like, relatively aggressive things that Greg has reported. Like, he's like, that and one other instance are the only two aggressive things that I know of to happen here. Most of the stuff is, like, 
letting you know they're there or like mostly residual kind of things. So there's that. Um, so next we're going to talk about Casemate 5, uh, which is also called the Dungeon. This is where the 45 civilian prisoners were kept during the Civil War. They were kept in the same area with the Union War prisoners, um, where the draft, the draft dodgers, um, they were all kept in there together. Um, there is an apparition of a Revolutionary War soldier seen by a small fireplace in the back corner of the room holding his hands out to, like, warm himself up. I also think, like, this is one of the the casemates where, like, door handles jiggle and stuff and, like, things move around. Um, casemate 5 is also, uh... So, Jay and Grant were going into Casemate 5 in the dungeon area, and they moved in, and they saw there's, like, a bunch of cots laying out, like, wooden cots. Like, there's no mattresses on them anymore. Um, but they walk in with the thermal imaging camera, and there's a hot spot on one of the benches. Like, somebody had been sitting there. And so, Grant goes over, and he, like, puts his hand down, and the spot is hotter than his hand. And... They're kind of like, man, that's weird. And, like, it didn't have a specific shape, but it definitely just looked like somebody could have been sitting there. But, like, at first they were kind of like, oh, maybe somebody was just in here. Um, so they were like, we'll look at it more during the review. But they did think that that was very odd. Um, I thought I wrote more about that down, but I guess I didn't. Um... And then, uh, then there's the Sally Port. The Sally Port was, there's several Sally Ports, or I think at least two, because there's, like, the North and the South one, or, like, a Southwest and a Northwest one, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I have it written down in my notes as, like, the West Sally Port. Um, so the Sally Ports were guard stations. So maybe they had, like, one on each, like, wall. So there was, like, a North, South, East, and West. Mm-hmm. Um, the Greg was in the Sally Port, and he reported that, like, a presence came up on him once while he was sitting on a bottom bunk while giving a tour. And so he was telling this to the people in Portals to Hell. Um, He said that the entity literally crawled over him, like, on top of him to get onto the top bunk, and then, like, came back down and like he could feel it like on his shoulders and on his lap and then he could feel it move away and then but like when it had come up to him like he could feel it get right up on him and he said that he's felt an entity come up very close to him several several times but he've only he's only had like it it he's only had it crawl on him that one time but it was very significant um but other than, like, shadow figures darting around the Sally Port, like, that's the only major thing that he knows about happening there. Um, there's also a blacksmith shop at the fort. Um, there's a back door that supposedly opens and closes on its own, but it looks like it hasn't actually been opened in a very long time. So maybe it's just the sound of it opening and closing, um, which is probably residual. Um, but in the blacksmith's shop, people report feeling unwelcome, they report feelings of dread and misfortune, and they feel like they're being watched. Mm-hmm. 
And then we have an apparition of a lamp lighter with blurry features. And he's seen on the second story of the fort. I'm assuming they mean, like, they see him on, like, the battlements. Because, like, there's not a balcony around the outside of the fort. Like, the only building that I know of that has a balcony is that officer's quarters slash hospital building. Um, So I assume that they mean that he's, like, on the battlements. But he's seen carrying a long pole with a flickering light on the end. So people that work there are assuming that this pale specter is the apparition of the guy who actually used to go around lighting the oil lamps every evening. But I didn't read anywhere that this was a common sighting, but it it was reported enough by him different people that it was included in like one of the major apparitions gotcha. um and then we have the last place we're going to talk about is the powder magazine <laughs> um so <laughs> um so greg o'brien uh he's a good friend of amy bruni and amy bruni has been to the fort several times to investigate but she's never filmed there um, and he reported that he always felt uneasy in this area, but he made himself go in and sit against the back wall like he was facing his fears. Okay. Uh, he began to hear a banging sound, like metal banging on the stone wall, like someone had picked up like a metal pipe and was hitting the wall. Um, but he's a paranormal investigator, so he goes in to this whole event like this whole thing uh, with a recorder. And when he was reviewing the EVP later, he heard a man screaming, get out, get out on the EVP. And he was like, man, I'm really glad I didn't hear that in real time. (laughs) I mean, I am too. Like I'd much rather like hear it later on than like in real time, because not only would I have gotten out, but I would have never gone back in there. Exactly. See, see, see the point. I see your point. In that instance, I see your point. Mm. Sorry, I had to take a drink. Um, So there are a lot of shadow figures reported in here as well, and equipment does tend to malfunction in here during the Portals to Hell episode when they were, like, touring um, the, the venue or the location before they, like, started the official investigation. They had some equipment with them, and it kept going off and, like, going weird in the powder magazine, but it didn't do that anywhere else. And it wasn't even, like, beeping or going off in a way that made sense. And so they were kind of like, does this happen often? And... The tour guide was like, yeah, we have, like, flashlights that go out, and there's people that come in here with, like, their cameras and stuff, and, like, the camera won't work in here, but it'll work everywhere else. But, like, there's no electromagnetic field in there. Like, they couldn't find any reason, like, a scientific reason why equipment would malfunction. <laughs> so, that's that's pretty weird. Um, also, in the magazine, people gravitate towards the back wall like very specifically so that back wall that greg had like went and sat up against um he said that people always like they go into this room and they just instinctively move to that back wall including a group of kids from a school for blind people so they couldn't even like see but they like go into their led into this room and they just all move towards that back wall and the medium who was there with the portals to help people 
he was very attracted to that back wall and he kept asking if there was like someone there or like what's going on with this wall there's something inside the wall um and so after their investigation he was pretty convinced that it was something evil within the wall but it didn't originate at the fort so like it wasn't there because of the events that happened like it didn't start out there it came later and it's there because there are other apparitions and activity there and it's like feeding off of that Mm. so you can believe that if you want to i kind of don't believe it but i do think it's interesting that like they do the same thing that like amy does like Amy and Adam do on um, Kindred Spirits where they bring Chip in and they like don't really tell him details. Like it's kind of hard for him not to know that he's at a fort, but um, he wasn't supposedly didn't know any facts. Like he wasn't told any of the like paranormal activity that happens there. The only way he would have known is if he had previous knowledge because like he didn't even know that that's where he was going until he got there, supposedly. And um, he walks into this, this you know, place and wasn't with them on the tour and goes to that back wall and is like, there's something about this wall. Like, people like this wall and they don't know why. And I think like is the wrong word. He just kept saying, like, people are drawn to this wall and they don't know why. And then he kind of makes his conclusion where he's like, something's off about the wall. Um, And then Greg told him another story on haunted road about and you're gonna get a kick out of this um so he was telling a story about how this guy was there at the fort with his girlfriend during a candlelight tour so no flashlights it's just candles like all the lights are off you're walking around with just a candle um well i mean everybody has their own candle but um so the guy was like hiding in like casemate two and they came out of it or they walked by it and he jumps out and scared the living daylights out of his girlfriend. And she was so mad. She was like, he said she was cussing him out and was so mad. And she, she refused to like go anywhere near him for like the rest of the tour. (laughs) And so she was sticking to the back of the group and he was up at the front of the group with Greg. (laughs) And they were walking just like through the open area in the middle of the fort And this guy was literally, like, thrown to the ground. Not, like, just pushed, like, chunked forwards and down to the ground. And he jumps up and is, like, screaming at his girlfriend, like, why would you do that? And blah, blah, blah. I was just joking around and it's not that big of a deal. And all I can picture is when he, like, was telling the story was that scene from Brother Bear where it's that old bear that's, like, sometimes I can still hear his voice. And then you hear the, like, husband bear that's, like, stop telling everybody I'm yes. dead. <laughs> because cause he was, like, he's at the front of the group, and he gets pushed to the ground, and he jumps up, and he's, like, yelling at his girlfriend. But the girlfriend's at the back of the group, like, I'm not anywhere near you. <laughs> like, bro, I'm way back here. I can only imagine. Um, Just, like, ugh. Yeah, and so Greg, he was walking by Greg, and Greg had to tell him that there was no one else near him, and if he was sure he didn't trip, then he probably pissed someone else off at the fort when he disrespected his girlfriend. Imagine. The ghost is like, hey, yo, I saw what you did, I'm gonna get you back, and I'm just like, what? (laughs) It ain't that, it ain't that deep. Um... 
Oh, and last p- bullet point um, when it comes to, like, the ghosty stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, my last ghost on the, on the list is um, a tour guide dressed in a Revolutionary War uniform. And he tells guests about the war, like, things that no one would know unless, like, they were there. Or basically he's, like, telling them facts that would have been lost to time. And he's in, like, impeccable, impeccable period clothing. And he's always so friendly and he, like, shows people around the fort and, like, describes, like, what buildings were used for what and, like, this wasn't here during this time period. So it had to have been, like, put there after that or, like, this is this used to look this way. And then when people leave, they go to the office or the management um office and they're like hey we and i think he tells people that his name is john and they're like hey like you need to give john a raise like he's so good at his job and they're like who they have to tell people that they don't one they don't have a tour guide named john and two they don't have anybody dressed in revolutionary war clothing at the fort that day which is usually the case like it always it's always when they don't have any reenactors at the Mm -hmm. fort um but, I mean, this is a constant, like, so many people, at least twice a week, I think Greg said that, like, people come up to the office and tell them about this tour guide, and that tour guide's not a tour guide. Yeah, guys, he's dead. He's um, not there. He doesn't exist. He exists, but he's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, he is dead. So, you just saw a ghost. Uh, welcome to Fort Mifflin. Um, so, but he's very friendly, and I, ju- I just love that. And it's like... He's not even mad that he's dead. He's like, I'm dead and I'm here. So I'm just going to tell people about this place that I died in. And I just, I'm like, oh, that's, that's really sweet. Um, okay. So like I said, I did watch, uh, Portals to Hell episode, which, um, was episode or season three, episode five. And then I watched an episode of Ghost Hunters Classic, which was season four, episode one. Um, so in that Portals to Hell episode, uh, they brought the medium, like I said. They do basically the same thing that Amy and Adam do with Chip. Um, he picked up on a number of details that he supposedly didn't know ahead of time. He was picking up on, like, names of people who had died there. He picked up on the female entity. Um, and he did say that she was heartbroken and she was missing her child. Um, and he kept saying that, like, you, he was talking to the ghost or whoever he was picking up on, but he was like, you need to forgive yourself. You need to move on. Like, you've got to let go of this, like, guilt. Like, there was nothing you could have done. Like, he was trying to, I guess, help her pass on or move on or whatever. I don't know. Um, he picked up on somebody named Will in Casemate 11 who was mad that his death was made into a spectacle. Um, the only piece of evidence that they caught in this episode was, like, disembodied coughing in the hospital slash officer's quarters building. Um, so, I mean, it was a good episode just from, like, a newer perspective because, like I said, that Ghost Hunters episode is pretty old. It's, what would you say, 18 14, years? 14, 14. I'm down now. 14. Oh. Well, it was 14 years old, so uh, it was nice to kind of, like, see a more modern investigation and just, like, the differences between, like, the casemates and, like, just how different things look now. But in that Ghost Hunters episode, they got quite a few good pieces of evidence. 
So they were in the officer's quarters, and they recorded an EVP. It's not even EVP. I don't know why I wrote an EVP here. They heard it in real time. They heard a little, they heard a voice. Um, it was female, but they heard it. And both Gret, both Grant and Jason said that it sounded like the word mommy, mm-hmm. and it was very quick and kind of sing-songy. Um, and so they were able to present that to Wayne, who was their client at the time, uh, the caretaker. Um, cause it did, it did translate to both their audio and production audio. In case made 11, they caught several things. Uh, they caught a couple of EVPs. One sounded like it said, can I have some water or can I have some of that water, something like that, which is interesting because they were hearing the sound of shuffling. Um, so this is Jay and Grant, and they were hearing shuffling, so they asked their sound guy if that was him because he was standing, and he didn't answer right away because he was guzzling a bottle of water. And so when they're reviewing the evidence and they hear that EVP, they're like, this is so relevant, and it is indicative of an intelligent haunting because he could see them and he was like bro i want some of that water (laughs) um the second evp is a little harder to make out but i do agree with what jay said like jay's like this is what i think it says and the more i listen to it the more i agree um it sounds like it says the boss wants it deeper and this hey, is still what? in case made 11, which, yeah, I know it sounds very weird. And it was very off-putting and strange until they told Wayne about it. And then Wayne kind of, like, filled them in. Um, he said that when they were converting case made 11 into solitary confinement, they wanted to make sure that, like, they couldn't dig mm-hmm. out of the casemate. So they dug the floor out. And then they filled it with rubble and then paved over it with, like, cement. So, they, the floor itself is over a foot thick of just rubble and concrete because, or cement, because they didn't want the prisoners to be, to try to tunnel out or dig themselves out of the casemate. Um, so with that context, that context, the EVP is not necessarily like that strange. It is interesting though. Um, where I lost my place. Um, they also caught some really good pieces of thermal footage. Um, I'm gonna send you a picture of one of them. The first piece of thermal footage is the the footage of the bench that I told you, or like that cot mm-hmm. that looks like somebody was sitting yes. on it. They were able to confirm that there had been nobody else in that section of the fort for several hours. So there wasn't anybody to sit on that cot to leave that much of a heat signature behind because it was fairly hot that evening. So it's not like it was cold and the wood on that cot retained their heat. Like it should have went back to the ambient temperature within several minutes. And so they were able to confirm that that was not contamination or human contamination. Um, the second video i'm gonna send you a still because the video is very quick because they didn't see it 
when they were filming, mm-hmm. they caught it in review. So it's very quick. And um, if you've ever watched a Ghost Hunters episode, Jay and Grant, um, and later on Jay and Steve, they like to do a thir- what they call a thermal sweep. So they like to check the the location for, like, drafts and vents and, like, rule out, you know, anything of, that naturally could be making, you know, cold spots or heat signatures mm-hmm. or anything of that nature. And so they're doing a um, a sweep of the casemates. And I'm pretty sure they were, they were outside of casemate five. So it would have been casemates like one through 11, like through 10. Like it would have been one of the other casemates. Um, and they get this image. And once you get it, I'll kind of describe it. What the? What is this? Yeah. So if you zoom in on that heat signature, it does. It is a human figure. Yeah. So what is happening is they're out in the hallway, and they're outside one of the casemates, and they kind of just like are walking down the hallway and kind of aiming the thermal camera into each of the casemates. And this, I don't know exactly which casemate it is, but it is one of the casemates that has like a really old stove at the end. So the only thing in that casemate is a stove. Okay. And that figure is standing in front of the stove, but if you zoom in, you can tell that the stove itself is giving off heat. Like there's something that's a lighter blue on the stove. And I went down a rabbit hole with this. Because I was like, well, it's a stove. It's an old stove, which means it's made of metal, which means it can reflect heat. But I was, so I was looking at, like, the footage of, like, other people walking through the fort, you know, trying to, like, see see the stove. I did find an image of a casemate with a stove in it. And it's a very old stove, but it's a cast iron stove. (laughs) That kind of metal does not reflect heat. It absorbs it, but it won't reflect it back at you because it's so thick. And it's not reflective at all. Um, so I went down like a two-hour rabbit hole with that thing. Um, just trying to disprove, you know, this image. Like maybe it was a camera person or a production member that was like stepping out of the way to like check their phone or something. Um, but that stove has not been used in over a 100 years. So it should not be giving off any heat signatures. Um, they're was nothing on top of the stove to li- that could have reflected like it's just the stove by itself. Um, so I couldn't come up with any theories to disprove this. Um, and Jay and Grant and the TAPS team are very, very, very thorough when it comes to disproving or debunking evidence. And they do believe that this is a figure that they could not account for. Um, so that is a pretty amazing piece of thermal footage. And like I said, it's very, very quick. Like, they didn't even see it on the clamshell when they were doing their sweep. And normally they they catch those things in real time and they're able to, like, go back and, like, try to recreate it. And I do believe that they did try to recreate it. And again, like, they couldn't get the heat to reflect off that stove. Um, That person would have had to have been very, very thin, but also very tall. And they just, they said that they really didn't have anybody that, like, fit that description. Um, So it was very interesting. 
Um, the, uh, the other, the last piece of evidence that they caught, uh, was also, or was in Casemate 11, and it's a video, and it's a stationary video. It's 15 seconds, so I'm going to see if it'll let me send it to you. And this is a video that I took of me watching the Ghost Hunters episode from the bathtub earlier. Because I, like, forgot to, like, screenshot the video, like, do it on my screen on my phone so that I could send it to you. So I just, like, replayed it on my laptop when I was in the bathtub. Because I, like, remembered that I needed to do that while I was in the tub. You had one job, George. Yeah. Okay, so this is a stationary thermal camera that's pointing into Casemate 11, um, into one of the cells of Casemate 11. So it's sitting on the, like, dirt floor. Yeah. And, um, you can mute the sound. The sound is not very, like, important. But the little circle that they have highlighted there, um, oh, hold on. It's playing noise for me and I don't need it to. Um, so the little circle that they have highlighted there at the bottom, um, is like a heat signature. It looks like it's colder than the, it's warmer than the ground, but it's the same temperature, if not colder than, like, other areas around it but it is the signature that kind of comes around the corner and kind of acts like it's going to go into casemate 11 or one of the cells in the casemate and then quickly turns around and goes back the way it came so it's not behaving like a draft or a gust of wind it has its own path you can see it clearly retrace its steps it's just like a blob though it's not like a form mm-hmm. but it does come out of nowhere and then it disappears before it exits the screen so i wouldn't say it's like extremely remarkable but it is very interesting um because, like, it was very unexpected, and it's in an area that no one has ever investigated before. Because, like I said, Casemate 11 had only been opened up the year before. Um, so, all in all, Grant and Jason concluded that there is evidence of some intelligent entities here, but most of the activity was residual, so therefore it can't harm anybody. It's literally just like a tape recorder of energy replaying over and over again. Um, The screaming woman has never been seen, but she's been heard. Um, I did hear some audio of the woman screaming. Um, I was not able to get that in a format that I could, like, send to you. So, like, the next time I see you in person, I can show it to you. Also, it was a video on YouTube that I found from, like, an amateur ghost hunting group. So, like, I don't... I didn't use any anything from that video because I don't know how credible they yeah. are. But that EVP, like, if it's a real EVP, it is very disturbing. There was also this, like, other documentary that was like a paranormal documentary that was filmed at Fort Mifflin by a group called the ghost finders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I could not find that documentary anywhere and it was referenced on another podcast that I listened to. And I tried so hard to find it because I wanted to watch it today and I just couldn't find it anywhere. Um, cause I think they also caught the screaming woman on that as well. So if you guys know where I can find that TV special of Fort Mifflin, uh, by the Ghost Finders, let me know, because uh, the television series is on Prime, but the TV specials are not. But yeah, that is Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
Ta-da! <laughs> and we're only 21 minutes past midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a... That's pretty good, because sometimes we'll be pushing one. When we're in New Orleans, we definitely, like, pushed a two. But that was... Well, yeah, but we didn't have to work the next this day, is, so... so yeah. I mean, I normally don't go... I normally don't fall asleep till about 1 a.m. anyway. Nah, usually I'm like... Even if I try to? Uh, nope. I'm usually... Like, it depends. Well, see, but the thing, I've messed up, like, this entire week, because, like, I'm usually good because I take a nap. So it's just like, oh, I'll get home and I'll be fine. And I'm just like, man, I'm tired. I kind of want to take a nap. I'll say, no, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this feeling because, like, next week I'm going to take a nap because it'll be, like, we'll be back full time. But I was like, no, that's stupid. If I'm tired, take a nap. <laughs> yeah, that don't work for me. I don't get to take naps. Well, I mean, you know, you have a dog. No, I'm joking. Um. No, I have a desk job. I can't just take a nap in the middle of the day when I want well, to. I mean, I can't. The only reason I can't take a nap is because I'm back at home. Next week, when we're full-time, I can't do that. Because, like, instead of... Oh, if I'm at home, I can take a yeah, nap. no, no, no. I just put her in her kennel. Yeah, no, because, like, one, like I said, next week, we'll be up there 8 to 4 compared to, you know, 7.30 to, you know, whenever we're done with some workouts, which is usually about, like, 10, 15. And then I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh... You know, hang around for 15, 20 minutes, talk to everybody, and then all of a sudden, guess who's at the house? I am. Mm-hmm. Guess who sleeps about two hours later? I do. That makes me so jealous. Don't be. Because after next week, you there's nothing to be jealous about. I know. Because you're going to make up. On the days that I work from home, I take my lunch break so that I can take a 20-minute nap, though. So. The exact seat. Smarter, not harder. No, like, because, like, we're on once, like, football season starts, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to work. I'm like, been here since, you know, I'm joking. It's like, I get that. I feel that. And you're like, going home. I'm like, I'm going to be like, can't relate. Still up here. Yeah, when football season starts, we're going to have to go back to recording on weekends. Mm-hmm. Well, we're off Sundays. So Sundays could work. I'm not going to lie. Once I get off work on a Saturday, I'm, I'm watching. I'm not going to be like, bro. Well, I know that. I think we did record on Sunday nights, but it was always, like, the Sunday before the Friday, and, like, the last several weeks we've been, like, recording on, like, the Wednesday <laughs> or Thursday before the Friday. Yeah. And so it's like, I gotta go back to that, having my source material ready. And then, well, usually it gave you time to kind of edit, do what you gotta do if we didn't make any kink. Now it's just like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, because... If it ain't good, it ain't good. They come out... Yeah, the episodes come out on Friday, the Fridays that I'm off, and so I've just gotten lazy, and I'm like, oh, I'll get up Friday morning and edit, because they were, I was posting them Thursday night and scheduling them to, like, actually post on Friday morning, but I'm like, I don't have to post it until, like, 6 p.m., like, it doesn't have to be out till like, evening on Friday, so I just edit during the day on Friday on my off Fridays because that's the day they come out because it's every other Friday. So. That one time. Yeah, like, but we'll have to we'll have to go back on like a real schedule which, when school starts. Which is perfectly fine. But instead of it being like 9 to like 12, it'll be like, hey, yeah, no, that's, um, guys, it's, I'm up first, I'm gonna look to see when the Cowboys play first. But anyway, I'm gonna be like, all right, the Cowboys play at 11, we can record at 6, and I think we'll be fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, the Cowboys are late game. Record at three, and we're going to make it work. Yeah. Then we won't go for two, two and a half hours, because they'll be like, nope, the game's about to start. I got to yep, go. Got to go. Got to go coach the house. I got I, 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 I get there. It's our thing. That's what we do. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we are going to do our sign-off. I once again forgot to introduce this podcast at the top, so... Thank you for listening to this episode of A Fearful Earful. Titled episode. And thank you. Who? No, I can't. <laughs> I was thinking about what, what you named it in here. It's like, who the FK? Because <laughs> we, we can't keep tabs on episode numbers. I mean, I do when I edit. Like, I have a list, but I never look at it when I go to create the episode in Zencaster. So I always just, like, name it whatever. Mm. And... Uh, today I was in a mood, so I was like, episode, who TF cares? Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I mean, at this point in time, I do not know what episode number this is. I think it's like 23, maybe, or 24. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to do something special for episode 25. I hope that's not this episode. I don't no, think it is. I, I, okay, I need you to get out of my brain. I was like, man, we're coming up on a year anniversary soon. And then you were like, we gotta do something special for him. Like, alright, see, I was just thinking about, like, that'll roughly be around the same time because we did skip a week. So it's like, the 25th episode will probably be around where our year anniversary is at. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is episode 24. So next episode is our anniversary episode. <laughs> Oh, and I have the perfect topic. Oh my god, I'm so excited. And there'll be a bonus episode coming out because somebody that my roommate knows requested an episode. So there will be something new and exciting and very, very different coming your way that I will release that same week. So I guess next, so in two weeks, you'll get two episodes. Because you'll get our anniversary episode, and then you'll get the bonus episode. Oh my god, this works out perfectly, and I didn't even plan it that way. See what happens when you don't plan stuff? (laughs) But that also means that our anniversary episode will be the first video episode, because we've been testing the cameras this entire episode, and even though DQ's is on his laptop, and it's not as crisp as my fancy camera, it is a visual... Well, you keep, like, freezing, so hopefully, like, no, it'll be different like, on your end. It's weird, because, like, I've been good, and then, like, you've been good the entire time. Except for this weird stretch towards the end of the episode, maybe, like, when it was, like, 12-10, it was, like, you kind of slowed down. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's the home stretch, so that makes sense now. Yeah. So, anyways, we're going to sign off so that we can both go to bed. Yep. And we will see you for episode 25 in two weeks. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. You can find us on Twitter at A Earful, capital A-E. We are not on Instagram as of yet, but you can find Jordan on Instagram and Twitter at perfectly underscore wild with an E. And me, DQ, on Twitter at D-A-Q-U-I-N-T-O-N, capital A, N-D-E-R-S, so it's the Quentin Anders, and DQ04 on Instagram. Our Facebook is a fearful earful, all one word. 
and you can email us your creepy stories or topic suggestions at a fearful earful pod at gmail.com if you like what you hear the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on itunes share with everyone you know and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app we're available on anchor spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, and google Podcasts. a fearful earful was created by me jordan anderson with co-host dq anderson all a fearful earful art was created by Gerilyn Anderson, my sister, and music is by One Wave, licensed through Premium Beat.